Hello, everyone, and welcome to another exciting edition of the Great American Senior Show. I'm your gray-haired host, Sam Yates, and today we're taking a look at something that hits home for many, many of our seniors throughout the nation, and that is reaching into their wallets, their banking accounts, giving to those organizations that many seniors say, well, that's a great cause. They hear a commercial on TV, and the next thing you know, uh, they are making a donation. Uh, The Independent Sector is a D.C.-based organization. I believe you guys have been around since 1980, if I recall uh, doing a little research on it. My guest today is Ben Kershaw. Ben is the Director of Public Policy and Government Relations. And that's a mouthful, but uh, Ben actually is responsible for tracking many, many things at the organization. Uh, And I want to give a, a little bit of a Uh, an intro to Ben by saying that the independent sector uh, is the only national membership organization that brings together uh, the entire diverse community of giving communities that we have, the the change makers, the not-for-profits, the foundations, all of those organizations that are asking for our seniors' dollars and are, are asking for everyone's dollars. So, independent sector works to strengthen the civil society by making sure that people aren't getting scammed and that the dollars are going into the right directions. Uh, fair assessment, Ben? Absolutely, Sam. It's it's really good to be with you today. Um, that nonprofit sector that we represent, um, and, you know, and again, you, you hit on the full breadth of that sector in our membership that sector includes about 1.8 million organizations that serve their communities you know, every day and in every way imaginable. Nonprofits are also a major economic force. They employ about 10% of the private workforce in America, which, for example, is a little bit more than manufacturing. So there's a lot for us to do together. I'm really glad to be with you today. Well, I always like to start our programs by getting to know the guest. Uh, you've got a great title. I know that you are uh, not uh, someone who is uh, shy about podcasting because the organization had podcasting at one point in its history. And if you ever want to do podcasting again, I'm raising my hand. But tell us about yourself. Uh, so, you know, in my work at Independent Sector, my job is to oversimplify um to help do-gooders do more good. So the public policy team and I work to advance laws or regulations that really help make the nonprofit sector healthier and more effective at serving communities, whether that's asking Congress to tweak the tax code to help Americans give more to charity, or asking the federal government to release regular workforce data about nonprofits. We do some of that work on our own, but most of it we do, and the best work we do is together with our membership. Um, Before coming to independent sector, I was a lobbyist for the Association of Museums, the American Alliance of Museums, a longstanding independent sector member, uh, and I bounced around Capitol Hill in the House and the Senate uh, before that. Well, that's amazing. Uh, I used to do a, a bit of work for an organization in Ohio, the United States Air Force Museum. 
And uh, I think so many people believe that I actually lived there because I could, in my reporting days, I would always come up with a, a new story. And one of my favorite go-tos was the museum because there was always something new in the old at that museum. Quite fascinating. So I have to you know, tip my hat to you for that. The organization, though, it, your organization has been around since 1980, as I mentioned in the lead, and you have a new leader at the helm. Yeah, we're really excited to have Dr. Akila Watkins joining us as CEO next month. She's a lifelong community organizer. She has experience running national nonprofit organizations. Um, you know, I think she also brings experience working within a number of foundations. Uh, I'm particularly excited that she's an accomplished policy advocate. Um, her current organization works to turn vacant places into vibrant spaces. Um, she's also the first African-American to lead our organization, which, um, which is really important to, to us and, and the work we do. I should, I, I should note full disclosure, Sam, right? She, she starts um, next month, so I haven't met her yet. So I can't give you any inside dirt on her um, just yet. Um, our office holiday party is next week. So look forward to staying in touch. Absolutely. And uh, I will go ahead and, and make the ask to have her on at some point in the future. I know that uh, CEOs and leadership is um, something that that is impossible sometimes to get your arms around and make that request or get through to make that request. So Ben, the request has been made. And uh, once she is on board and uh, she has settled into uh, everything that she does with a vast amount of responsibility. Just whisper in her ear and say, Great American Senior Show, Sam Yates would like to have you on. And uh, I, I would love to just be able to chat with her and get her take on where we are going with charitable organizations. But back to you. This is the time of year that people are doing tax planning. They're doing many, many things uh, to make sure that they don't pay too many taxes or they're just feeling good. It's the holidays. There's a lot of scams out there right now, fake charities. How bad is the problem? Well, I'm glad you asked, Sam. The overwhelming majority of charities in America are not just legitimate. They are heroic. They're essential to their communities. Um, and that's part of what makes the rare fraudulent activity in the charitable sector so upsetting. It, it diverts funding from organizations and causes that really need it. As an organization like mine that looks out for the health of the entire U.S. nonprofit sector, um, independent sector is also particularly worried about charity fraud because it damages the public's trust in yes. all nonprofits. Um, so, you know, it's not my side of the shop, but our organization releases annual data about trust in nonprofits. Unsurprisingly, our sector is more trusted than government. We're more trusted than corporations, but high profile scandals hurt that. So charity fraud anywhere hurts every nonprofit. 
and I think I had mentioned to you of working with the American Red Cross, and and that's uh, again one of the uh, you know just for clarification, I was familiar with your organization, but really had never uh, put two and two together to have you on a podcast. One of the things that I did uh, as an independent public relations specialist providing. PR and marketing services to the the Red Cross at a local regional level was to go to your organization and compile reports based on what is the value of volunteer hours. That's something that you also do. Yeah, we are we are not a research organization, you know, in the way of in the way that a think tank might be, but um, independent sector back to its founding has really strong connections with the nonprofit research community. We host an annual symposium with nonprofit researchers, and we do publish working with the Do Good Institute at the University of Maryland right now, the annual value of volunteer time. And it's almost $30 an hour this year. It's a record. Um, and if folks want to check it out on the IS website, there are state-by-state figures as well. And those figures for those that are listening of our seniors right now, if you volunteer with one of the organizations and your organization is not compiling some sort of figures to say to your board of directors or to the community, here's what our volunteers are doing. Uh, They're not only contributing back to the community, but their time has a real worth. And that's very, very important. From my vantage point, it was always important to say, you know, I'm contributing X number of hours on top of the the billings that I would be doing for the organization, because if you give something away, it has no value. So for all of our listeners, make sure that you do check out the website, which brings us to a very critical part of this interview. How can people get in touch with your organization? So independent sector online, we're at independentsector.org. And that's the easiest and fastest way to connect with us. You can email our organization info at independentsector.org. We try to keep our website up to date with the latest um, resources on on policy that impacts nonprofits, um, but also about um, the health of the nonprofit sector and um, you know principles for governance and ethical practice within nonprofit organizations. Within that government sector, and and uh, you're almost following the roadmap that I put together for this interview. It's like uh, there is governmental sectors very very active in every day uh, doing something in Washington D.C. We're going to see new leadership in D.C. Any advanced thoughts, and and I'm not asking for you to throw stones, but advanced thoughts on is your job going to be easier, more difficult, or about the same in trying to work with our legislative leaders at that national level to keep control over many of the things that uh, are important under your umbrella? Well, yeah, so, right, Republicans are going to take control of the House of Representatives next year. Um, So we will have divided government. The good news for nonprofits, politically speaking, is is that, you know, helping your neighbors isn't a partisan issue. Um, You know, maybe we can knock on wood and say it's not yet a partisan issue. Um, There are no Republican food banks. There are no Democratic museums. And we find that every legislator has a charity in their state or district, usually many, that they really want to help. 
and that they want to boost the work of. Um, so there's going to be a lot of new members of Congress next year from both parties. Um, and so there'll be a lot of education to be done about the work of nonprofits um, and their needs. Um, we expect, you know, Sam, you're not, you're not off base. There will be some big disagreements about the basic gears of government, um, government funding, COVID policies, and more. I guess I would note, you know, no, it's, Sam, sorry, it's, you know, it's, it's right to look ahead to next year. This is, this is that season. Um, it's a season of, of holiday spirit, of holiday generosity. But on Capitol Hill, it's also often the most productive month of the year as deadlines approach. So, um, you know, we're talking about charitable donations today. So I should note one thing that for the past two years, even Americans who took the standard deduction on their taxes have been able to also deduct up to $300 each in charitable donations from their income. Um, unfortunately, if Congress doesn't act before the end of this month, um, that will not be the case when people file their taxes for 2022, right? Probably in the spring. Um, so independent sector and our members, we're really actively working this month especially to call on Congress to restore that deduction for every American, whether they itemize or not, to give to charity. Um, we both know nobody makes a donation to charity just so they can get a tax break, but that deduction has been proven to increase giving, and it's a really powerful signal about what matters to our country. So there's some things on the radar right now. All right, take a step back. Recap again for our audience, the deduction, the amount, and it's extremely important they reach out to their legislative leaders right now. So there are two ways that you can file your taxes in America to oversimplify. You can claim a standard deduction, which is in the range of $12,000 per person, or you can add up a bunch of smaller deductions, like deduction for interest you might pay on a mortgage or for charitable donations or for taxes you pay to your state, um, and you can add those up. Um, unfortunately, the way the tax code has been constructed in recent decades is that the vast majority of Americans don't itemize, and so they don't have access to the charitable deduction. They can give to charity, they should, most do, but they don't get any signal through the tax code or subsidy through the tax code that that giving um, you know, matters. In 2020 and 2021, there was a deduction available for everyone, whether they itemized or not, that was up to $300 per person. That's expired in 2022, and if Congress restores it in the next few weeks, it will be in effect for all of 2022. Now, that's not to be confused with uh, Congressman, uh, Congresswoman McCollum's 75, H.R. 7587, which is something totally different, if I recall it. And it's been tracking, but it's not there yet. A little explanation, if you can. For sure. So the bill you reference is called the Nonprofit Sector Strength and Partnership Act, Sam. And it was introduced this spring by Betty McCollum, 
Congresswoman Betty McCollum, right? When we're um, when we're not just amongst friends, um, uh, a Democrat from Minnesota, and by Congressman Fred Upton, a Republican from Michigan, and that bill contains a number of policies that would strengthen the partnership between nonprofits and the government, with the goal of serving people better. Um, so, you know, next time you have me back, we can do a section by section dive through every single piece of that bill. Um, let me flag just a couple things that I think sure. are most instrumental. Um, it creates some structures to help nonprofits work more effectively. Um, you know, for example, we've talked about how important nonprofits are to the economy. They're also the ones who put many government programs into practice, whether that's you know, providing food or shelter or health care, but there's nobody within the government whose job it is to look out for nonprofit organizations holistically in the way that the Small Business Administration, for example, rightly looks out for small businesses. So this bill would change that by creating a White House office on nonprofit sector partnership. Um, it would ensure that there's at least somebody in the room when critical decisions are made with expertise in nonprofits. So that's one of the structural pieces of the bill that would make a big difference. Um, the bill would also help crack down on charity fraud. Um, and I'm happy to talk more about that too. All right. I want to get into charity fraud. And, and before I forget, you know, that, uh, that house bill uh, rings a bell because I work with many organizations around the country that are into the senior sectors. Uh, one of those uh, organizations is called the Area Agency on Aging. And I believe there's like 900 of them throughout the entire nation. And I've been working with quite a few of them. And, and they're uh, also, you know, in, in those instances, they have people who are working to get monies into their communities. And, and a lot of those uh, not-for-profits and also the charities within those umbrellas don't even know how much they can ask or discuss with their legislative leaders without getting into trouble or staying out of trouble. So, you know, for our audience, I think that's something very important that uh, we track into the future. But scams, how do we spot them? Well, um, it's, a, it's a good question. Again, the vast majority of charities are, are doing great work and are honest and honorable. Um, the IRS notes a few key things to look out for when you are, you know, when you hear from a charity. Um, one thing to keep an eye on is how you're asked to give. Um, if you're being asked to donate gift cards, or if you're being asked to wire money to a charity, that's a red flag that, um, you know, that something may be up. Um, Similarly, you know, the IRS also notes that um, this false sense of urgency that scammers can sometimes try to give you um, is a red flag. No matter the urgency of earthquake or hurricane relief or a starving puppy, um, there's no cause in our sector that can't wait an hour for you to get the exact information about that organization and to look them up and to make a donation. So those are a couple things to look out for. And the IRS though really has uh, 
the responsibility for making sure that charities are uh, given the right uh, approval, but uh, there's just so many of them. I think you said earlier in the program, how many charities are there out there today? It was a huge number. Yeah, um, there's over a million registered charities in the United States. Um, So I think it's, it's important to note, Sam, because the responsibility shouldn't be entirely on seniors or on any American. Um, So uh, the Nonprofit Sector Strength and Partnership Act, for example, um, would put an end, at least temporarily, to a dramatically oversimplified process that has allowed a lot of bad actors to get in to the charitable sector without proper scrutiny. you know, about 2% of charity applications used to get rejected, mm-hmm. which, yeah, I don't know, maybe that, I'm not an expert on, on that, but that maybe that jives. Um, right now, for the last few years, since 2014, they created, a, again, a dramatically oversimplified process, a three-page form that is producing rejection rates of point. Zero four percent. That's one in twenty four hundred applications is rejected, and that's a clear indication that this form isn't collecting enough information. The IRS's own internal watchdog has said that as many as forty percent of applications are mistakenly accepted. Um, and to avoid just you know throwing numbers at you. Let me give you, you know, kind of one quick example. Sure. Um, this summer, a man with a previous record of financial fraud was indicted in New York City. It, he was indicted for registering 76 fake charities at the same post office box in Staten Island. He had registered the American Cancer Society of Michigan in Staten Island. He had registered the United Way of Ohio in Staten Island. He had a history of financial fraud, and the IRS approved all of these designations. So something needs to change because, again, it's not senior's job to to vet all of these things. There are some do's and don'ts and some red flags, but the government has a role here. Ben, I know that uh, just a, a few minutes ago, you said you would come back for a future program. I'm going to make that ask official. Can you be back? Because there's a lot more that I would like to go into. We would, would love to stay in touch. Um, yeah, whether it's it's me or anyone else that I ask, these are um, critical issues and we're, I'm, I'm happy to be talking to your listeners today. So. All right. One more time. How may people get in touch with the with the organization? Um, independentsector.org is our website. Info at independentsector.org is our email address. Um, my name is Ben Kirsch. I work on the policy team there, but um, you know the organization is full of do-gooders who are eager to connect um, to connect with you. So for our seniors, if you would like more information, reach out to Ben. Ben, one last time, anything that we did not touch upon that perhaps is critical that you mentioned before we wrap today's program up? Um, I would just say that there are scams out there. Um, 
This is the season of generosity. America's vibrant and powerful charitable sector is not an accident. It was created by Americans investing in their communities. So just thank you to everyone who does donate to the organizations you trust, whether they're organizations you've supported for a long time or whether you're just getting to know them and you've vetted them. Um, a number of independent sectors members have websites that can help with that. Organizations like Candid and Charity Navigator and the BDB Wise Giving Alliance. There, there are resources out there to help you feel confident when you donate. Um, and again, um, not that I could ever speak on behalf of this sector, but just on behalf of me, I am so grateful to everyone who invests in civil society in America. Thank you. Amen to that. Ben Kershaw, the Director of Public Policy and Government Relations for Independent Sector. My thanks for being here today. We are definitely going to have you back in the future. Pleasure to be with you, Sam. So until our next episode, I am Sam Yates, your gray-haired host of the Great American Senior Show. And I want to thank you one more time for being here and to our audience. This is a valuable resource, so don't let this resource slip by. Check it out. Have a great day, everybody.